Today's episode is brought to you by the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card. To learn more, visit usbank.com slash altitude go. One of the challenges of traveling is managing your money. If you're tired of getting crushed by bank fees and exchange rates, you need to check out wise.com. I have been a customer for over 10 years. This is the easiest way to connect all of your finances internationally. It's been essential for me first as a traveler, then later as a digital nomad and an expat living abroad, running a business from around the world. You get one account, which allows you to send, spend, and convert money internationally, all without hidden fees or exchange rate markups. You can join 16 million customers, learn how the Wise account can work for you by downloading the app or visiting wise.com slash travel. That's wise.com slash travel. Thank you to Wise for supporting today's show. This episode of Zero to Travel is brought to you by the 2024 Nissan Pathfinder with seven drive modes. The Pathfinder's available intelligent 4x4 is built for even the most epic journeys. Learn more at nissanusa.com. Turning travel into a lifestyle. My guests today have done it for many years, and they also teach people how to do it on their very popular website, goatsontheroad.com. We've got the goats in the house today. We're going to jam on travel as a lifestyle, long-term travel, what it takes to keep yourself out there on the road, and some of the moments that they've encountered over the years where they've had to make some tough decisions on what to do with their lives so they can keep traveling. And we're going to get into all of that and much more today. Plus, I'll share some thoughts on what it takes from a mindset perspective to make travel a long-term part of your life. It's all happening in today's show right now. So strap on in, recline. Thank you for being here and welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friend. You're listening to the Zero to Travel podcast, where we explore exciting travel-based work, lifestyle, and business opportunities, helping you to achieve your wildest travel dreams. And now your host, world wanderer and travel junkie, Jason Moore. Hey there, it's Jason with ZeroToTravel.com. Welcome to the show, my friend. Thank you so very much for allowing me to bring a little travel into your ears today, wherever it is that you are in the world. This is the show to help you travel the world on your terms to fill your life with as much travel as you desire, no matter what your situation or experience. And you hear me say that intro on all of these shows and never been truer than in today's show where we're talking about turning travel into a lifestyle, more specifically sharing the personal story of how one couple did it and giving advice along the way and how you can do it too. So you're going to get a lot of uh, nooks and crannies. Like When I say nooks and crannies, would that be the right word? A lot of nice juicy tidbits maybe to help you make travel a long-term thing. I always go to nooks and crannies because I'm a big English muffins fan. I'm not going to lie to you. English muffins are one of my favorite breakfast treats when I'm back in America. I don't know if it's a treat, but uh, I love a nice buttery English muffin. I know I'm getting off topic here, but hey, I miss my English muffins right now. I'm back in Norway. We can't get the English muffins here, and I'm closer to England. What's up with that? I don't get it. Anyway, I'm really excited to bring you this interview because there are so many lessons that can come out of just hearing a real story from a couple who has been traveling long-term for many years, nomadically for many years, but it started off, well, I'm not going to 
spoil it for you because it's all coming next. Before we get into that, I do want to say a quick thank you to Tortuga Backpacks for supporting today's show. If you go to zerototravel.com slash Tortuga, you're going to see all of the backpacks and gear that I recommend from them. And you can get 10% off anything you order there just by using the promo code TRAVEL. Just use the word TRAVEL when you check out. You'll get 10% off just for being a Zero to Travel podcast listener. These are backpacks and duffel bags and other travel gear. It's made by travelers for travelers, really, when they were designing their new bags. A little while back, they called me up and asked me a million questions on what I love about travel backpacks, what kind of features I love, what are the things that I think are essential. And they did this with a lot of other travelers. So it's not just some snappy tagline, buy travelers for travelers. It's not even one of their taglines. I just say that because I know it's true because I've had conversations with them while they're constructing backpacks. So they're getting it right. And when you're on the road, your backpack is your home. So you want it to have all the bells and whistles you need without too much stuff. And you want it to be comfortable and durable, and of course, the right size. And if you want to get a backpack that you don't have to check, so you can save money on checking luggage, but you still want to maximize your space, they've got the goods. ZeroToTravel.com slash Tortuga. Promo code TRAVEL, just the word TRAVEL when you check out. You'll get 10% off anything you order over there. And if you do decide to make a purchase, thank you, because I'm an affiliate for them, and you'll also be supporting this podcast, so I so appreciate that. Okay, let's get into this interview with the GOATS. And stick around on the other side. I'm going to give a shout out and I'm also going to talk a little bit about what I think are some of the key personality traits that can help you make travel into a lifestyle. And we'll have a little chat about that later. So stick around for that. Please enjoy listening to my conversation with the goats and I will see you on the other side, my friend. Are you guys ready to have a good time? Because we're about to get into this. I'm so excited to welcome my guest today, the dynamic duo behind GoatsOnTheRoad.com, where they can help you make travel a lifestyle by teaching various ways to earn money as you go. Derese and Nick, welcome to the Zero to Travel podcast, my friends. Awesome. Thanks, buddy. Hi, Glad Jason. to be here. Yes. How are you? Ah, I'm having a blast. I've been, I've been so excited for this because, well, we've kind of known each other in internet land the last couple years. You guys have been part of the Paradise Pack and we've been like talking and everything, but we actually did get to quote unquote meet, as we say in Skype land, I guess, over video just pretty recently. And I was like, I got to get to know these guys more because they just seem like so much fun. And I just wanted to chat with you. So I'm really excited to have you guys here. Thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having us. We're stoked to be here, man. It's been a long time coming this because... We've kind of been chatting about doing the podcast for a while. I'm glad we're finally getting it, getting it done. It's going to be fun. <laughs> we are doing it. And I kind of want to hear a bit about what you guys were doing before you became, you know, these rock star travel bloggers, the goats <laughs> on the road. Uh, <laughs> rock but first, I, you know, I want to know where you guys met. Where did you meet? I'm going to go all Barbara We're going Walters. deep here. Um, oh, yeah. yeah I'm going is, deep. This is deep. <laughs> I, you, I knew you were going to do the hard-hitting questions, man. <laughs> hard-hitting. Hard-hitting. Um, okay, I'll go with that one. So we are both from Canada, and we met in the big city of Calgary. And so big city is like one million people. And uh, we actually are from the same small town, but we didn't meet each other until Calgary. So that's kind of weird. Like we have so many mutual friends and there's only like a couple of high schools where we're from and we're the exact same age, 
but we didn't meet till the big city. So it's like, yeah, it's pretty cool. Serendipitous. All right. So I know. Well, tell me about the first date. That's what I really want to hear about. What was the first date? Well, we were friends. We were friends for a long time. So Mm -hmm. we were friends for like four years in Calgary and I was just trying to make moves, but it wasn't playing out very well. (laughs) It it took me four years to kind of make it happen. Yeah, what a fail. (laughs) Dude, what was going on there, man? Was it one of those like, ah, I got to. I'm going to make this more of a friend thing, but you, you got stuck in the friend zone. Yeah, I did. You got out of the zone eventually. Zone. I got no game, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Darice, how did he get out of the zone? What did he do? Um, He grew up a little bit. That was the oh, main thing. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'll burn. I'll burn. Uh, I think we were like 22 or 23 when we started dating, hey? Yeah, it's all because, actually, this one is really serendipitous. Oh. It's all because of a landslide that happened. Mm-hmm. We, like, went home to our hometown, like the small town, to visit our family and stuff, and we were all friends. Uh, we were just friends, Darius and I, and then on the way back to go back to the big city to go home, there was a landslide that, like, covered the highway, so it was like, we had to get a hotel together. Oh. And I was like, oh, this is, if I can't do it now, I'm screwed. <laughs> oh, really? So, wait, you guys were yeah. driving back, there was a landslide, yeah. and yeah. it was just the two of you driving? Yeah. As friends. Yeah. Yeah, you had never gone on a date or anything like that. No dates. It's like Mother Nature wanted us to get together. (laughs) All right. Well, no, hold on, because now I'm putting myself there because that could go the like the energy, the energy and vibe change as soon as you guys were like, oh, I think we have to get a hotel. We're like, oh, yeah. Like, was it like an unspoken thing or was it like, oh, it's on now or was it still like, oh, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I feel like there was some flirtation like the couple months leading up to it. As soon as I knew we were going to get a hotel, I just heard the sound in the back of my head. It was kind of like chicka chicka bow wow. <laughs> <laughs> the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, no. yeah. 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 <laughs> Maybe she didn't hear the same sound. Yeah, I did not hear that. <laughs> that's awesome. So, I mean, that's, that is pretty that's serendipitous. That's like some guess, back yeah. in the day stuff. That was like... 12 years ago now. Yeah. Okay. It's been a long time. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, at that point, yeah, you're kind of forcing the issue, right? If you've been flirting and it's kind of been building up, it's all right. It's here we go. Yeah. This is going to go one way or the other. So anyway. All right. So that was in 2000. What? Seven. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah. you guys started traveling or you took a trip in 08 and that kind of kickstarted the idea of traveling around the world. Is that right? Yeah, that was the big trip. That was like the 13-month backpacking trip, Southeast Asia. But, oh, I know what you mean. Sorry. We did a one-week all-inclusive, like, little holiday together before that. Right. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. And then, like, after that, was, so that wasn't too long into your dating life, I guess. But you'd known each other no. for a while at that time. So. Yeah. But yeah. people were still kind of like, really? You're selling your stuff? You're going traveling for a year? Uh, you've been dating basically a year. Right, <laughs> Are <not> you even? <laughs> sure? <laughs> People getting all judgy. Yeah, yeah, super judgy. Or just being like, yeah, uh-huh, this will work out. You know, probably thought we're going to break up or whatever. But right. yeah. Well, I mean, with travel, it can kind of, that's kind of the thing, right? I mean, after two or three mm-hmm. weeks, you can kind of know sometimes if this is going to mm-hmm. work out or not. But in your case, I mean, the one week at the all-inclusive was enough to be like, oh, hey, we want to do this more. And we're going to make this thing happen. And I mean, I know you guys made a concerted effort to save up. I was reading how you saved money, made a lot of sacrifices to to make that first trip happen. And as you were going to that first trip, was that the 13-month trip? Was there any inkling at all of the fact that like, hey, 
if this works out, maybe there's another thing after this, or were you just taking that chunk of time and you're going to say like, Hey, I'm going to go, we're going to go have this experience together. And then that's going to be it. Then we're going to come back to Canada and live our lives. Like what were your mindsets at the time? Um, I think that even going for a year was so beyond like our wildest dreams before that point that when we took off on that trip, that's as far ahead as we could really see. Like we just thought, Oh my God, we managed to save enough money for a year of travel. This is insane. So it was just going to be a year and then going back to Canada to save up more money. But shortly into the trip, like maybe a few months into the trip, we were like, okay, we want to do this all the time. But even at that point, we didn't know how to do the digital nomad thing. Mm -hmm. We hadn't heard of a lot of people, you know, making money on the road. So all we knew to do was to go back to Canada, go back to those jobs that we didn't really enjoy and start saving money again. But yeah, it's so true. It probably was like three months in or something. We were both thinking, no, we need to do this full time. Like we can't go back to normal life kind of thing. But I mean, we had to. But our mindset did shift after a few months in. Yeah. Yeah. Because it was so amazing. Well, what were your jobs before the trip? What were you doing? So I was working in an office as a real estate paralegal, like a legal assistant to lawyers. And I was making bags in a plastic packaging factory. (laughs) Very eco-friendly. I had two horrible jobs for the environment. I worked on the oil rigs for a little over a year to pay off some debt. And then I started working at this plastic packaging factory. So (laughs) not very eco-friendly at all, those two jobs, but they, they allowed us to save up money. Yeah. So how many years were you working on the oil rigs? So I did a little over a year on the oil rigs. And then I think I was with the plastic packaging company. Like I was a press operator. So I was print, uh, running a printing press. And I did that for about, I think, seven years. Something, something like that. Yeah. Okay. yeah. yeah. And that's, those are both pretty physical jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then the printing press one, like Nick was doing graveyard shifts as well. So there was a whole period where we like didn't see each other sometimes, like for a week <laughs> or so. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, it was difficult work for sure. When I started getting into the whole online world, I had a really hard time going and sitting in front of the computer for long periods of time. Like I just hadn't done it before. Did you struggle with that at all? Like even if you didn't miss your job working at the printing press or whatever, was that a hard adjustment for you? Yeah, I think it's kind of hard to not have the automatic fitness that you get from like a labor job. You know, you, if you work in labor, you, you basically get your exercise by default. And then for me, when we, when I went to the blog and I found out, you know, we're sitting on the computer for four hours a day, mm-hmm. then I, you start kind of blobbing out a little bit. <laughs> blogger bod. Yeah. We wrote a post about it, like called it, uh, that dealing with the struggles of blogger bod or something like that. And it's like the fact that, not only do you sit on a computer, so you're not doing physical labor anymore, but you also get a lot of like, sometimes, you know, when you build a blog, you get free travel. So you got tourism boards, like whining and dining you and you just eat like crazy. You're drinking like crazy and And you're sitting and you're sitting all the time, you know, other than the travel days when you're out exploring and stuff, but there ends up being quite a bit of sitting. So yeah, I think it's something that we're working with still kind of the balance of. Yeah. I mean, I guess for me, I already worked at a computer. I sat at a computer all day, so it wasn't that big of an adjustment for me, but for Nick, yeah. 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 For you, Doris, like busting out of the office there and going on that first trip. I mean, how far into the trip was it that you decided, Hey, I'm just, that's not going back. Like, was there kind of a flip that switched in your head where you just kind of said, Hey, this isn't happening anymore. Like we've got to make something happen that so I can get out of this. Oh yeah. 
Definitely. I mean, like the thing is too, we had good jobs, right? They weren't bad jobs, but you're sitting in an office, fluorescent lighting. One time I didn't have a window and I worked there for three years and it's just kind of like you get off work in Canada in the winter and it's dark by 4 PM. So you're, you go to work, it's dark, you get off work, it's dark. It's just like pretty depressing actually, if you think about it. So while we were in, um, probably, I don't know if it was Thailand or somewhere, but we were both just loving the beach life and the fresh air and the nature. And we were just thinking there's no way that, and I was thinking, I can't go back to that office. Absolutely not. So yeah, yeah, I got to break through that cubicle. But then money ran out. So and then we, money ran out. So I'm we, like, ooh. <laughs> we did have to go back and work for another year yeah. to save up money. But that was the last time because during that year we were like, okay, we had we'll, a goal. we'll save up this money enough for a year again of travel or a year and a half or two years, whatever it was. And then we're going to find ways on the road to make money. So we knew we had kind of an exit strategy, yeah. even though we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah, we, we just, just knew. <laughs> we just knew we had to make it work. Yeah. Uh, Nick, you mentioned this first trip kind of being the first big one that we're still talking about here, the 13th month extravaganza, if you will, kind of being like, oh, almost that was like beyond our wildest dreams the first time we did that. I mean, is that kind of travel something that you guys ever did growing up or what were you raised on? Were your parents working sort of traditional jobs or how did you guys grow up in, in terms of how it relates to travel? I yeah. think, yeah, I think it was just like typical kind of Canada stuff. We went camping on the weekends in the summer and fishing and stuff, but I had never done any trips with my family. Yeah. You'd never left Canada and right. I just been to the States when I was three, like oh, one yeah. trip and that was it. And me too. When I was like seven or something, I went yeah. to Disneyland one time, but with the, our families and like all of my friends' families. It was like we're small town Canada. Yeah. And there wasn't a lot of traveling. Like I didn't know very many people or anyone actually in my oh. circle of friends that had done traveling with their family even abroad, mm-hmm. you know, and definitely by the time we got to the like graduating high school, it wasn't really common for any of my friends. I don't know one person who did a gap year. Doris knows a couple people. Who- I know. Yeah. One person, but that's it out of like everybody in Calgary and BC yeah. that we lived in. So yeah, we definitely didn't grow up with travel with our families, but then like you meet all these people traveling um, from Europe and we say, Oh, did you do, you know, travel when you're with your family? And they'd say, Oh no, we didn't do any traveling. We just went to this country, this country, this country. And uh-huh. they don't consider it traveling because all these countries in Europe are all like next door to each other. But I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like yeah. that's 10 countries. A lot of Europeans have been to like 20 countries yeah. by the time they're, they're 15. Yeah, and we're like, um, we've only been in one province in yeah. Canada. Because Canada's massive, right? And so is the state. So to get anywhere, it takes quite a while. How did you guys push past this whole thing being just an idea and actually making it happen? Was it like, the excitement of being together, making the decision together and kind of having that accountability with each other? Or did you have, did you seek out some other circle of friends that kind of did this? Like, how did you guys manage that back then? Yeah. So we had like no circle of friends to turn Mm. to. Well, we had friends, but but no travel friends. We had no friends. Right. We were losers. (laughs) Uh, No Um, no travel friends. But what we did actually was a ton of research on like um, online with Lonely Planet. And we got into a TV show called Departures. There's a plug. Departures, everybody. Great show. Uh, It's Canadian. Canadian You got to watch it if you haven't seen it before. Such a good show. Um, So it's a series about these guys who took off for a year, like they left their jobs behind Um, They were just kind of sick of the regular routine, the nine to five and stuff, and they wanted to see the world. 
So we got into watching that episode every week and it really inspired us. Hey, like we already yeah. kind of had the idea, but then that gave us the push, I would say. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah. they're just backpackers, these guys doing basically exactly what we wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, so between them inspiring us and then reading about actual budgets and stuff from online, other blogs and how, how, how to save money, all that stuff. Yeah. It just became kind of an obsession we that we're, we like, we're going to save this money and we're going to go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're so early in the relationship, relatively speaking. I mean, this yeah. has been many years ago. Um, and it sounds like, obviously, the, the trip solidified that. You guys are still together. So. <laughs> yeah. We didn't break up, so that was good. <laughs> but traveling as a couple is a different thing. And I do kind of want to get some tips on that since we're on the subject. And then I kind of want to get back to the, the chronology of your story. But what, what are some of the things that you've learned along the way traveling as a couple that could be some advice that you would give to others, whether it's a couple or maybe close friends, you know, there's always going to be compromises when there's somebody else involved. So what are some of the things you guys learned? Like, how do you guys manage that? Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, really um, definitely good. compromising is an important thing. Um, something is, you know how when you're at home, you have your, usually your work shift, you work like nine to five or whatever. Um, and then you see each other after work. So that's a lot of time apart during the day. So I think it can be a difficult challenge to see each other 24 seven, which is something that like people aren't used to. It's not normal. So it can be important um, to start having that time to yourself. Like if you're starting to, you know, get bitchy with each other or you're fighting a bit or you just want that space, just be like, well, I'm going to go for a walk here or like Nick go scuba diving or I'm going to go check out this spa or do whatever. I'm going to go read my book and just have that kind of like away time. I mean, that was our thing maybe at first. I don't know. Now it's just so natural for us. It feels normal. I'm trying to think of when we first started. Yeah. When we first started, we were like that a little yeah. more. But no, it just, it, it takes time to just kind of get used to the scenario because it's so foreign mm -hmm. to most people to always be together with anybody else, like significant other or friend, mm -hmm. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So yeah, I think one of the biggest things would be like compromise and not being too stuck in your ways if you if there's something that the other person wants to do you kind of talk about it okay well we could head over to see that town yeah you're interested in snorkeling maybe we'll go do that even though i'm not that into it i can sit on the boat or just kind of yeah being you know or like you do valuable. one thing and then that you want to do and then we do one thing i want to do and then something else too is to keep the romance alive like to still make date nights or still make special moments because yeah. you can kind of forget that sometimes like, you know, plan a picnic or do like a romantic dinner on the beach or just something that's special that's different from everyday travel life. You know, what's something I do. I've never actually talked about this. Such a small thing. I did it the other day because we went to a concert. So when we're getting ready to go, it sounds so stupid, but it, it does something. It works. So I leave the apartment and then, I mean, I just walk out right outside the front door and then I turn around and I knock on the front door. And then my wife opens the door <laughs> and then it's like we're going on a date. You know what cute. I mean? Oh, nice. What? It sounds oh, like silly, that. but there's that some kind cute. of weird thing. You know, even though I just saw her three seconds ago and I know what she's wearing and all that. But then I have, you know, there's some fake banter like, oh, hey, you know, you look so nice. How, how, how was your day? You know, <laughs> Nick like, is definitely going to do that. What? tonight. Yeah, I'm stealing that. <laughs> Try it out, Nick, you know, and then like, sometimes you have to bust through and be like, wait a minute, I need a glass of water before I leave, you know. Yeah, yeah totally. Like, don't ask, bathroom, you know. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but no, it, it is oh, super I like important. That. I mean, also, well, you guys work together, too. So that's a I mean, that's yeah. a, another huge layer. I mean, you can't just say, well, you travel together. So you work together also because the work thing together is a totally different 
animal yeah, running a business beat. together. So mm-hmm. when did that start? So 2012, we decided, hey? Yeah, we started the blog in June, I believe, of 2012, June or July. Um, and But at first, it wasn't really a business that we were running together. It was just a travel blog. We were tired of. It was one of those things where I was like, I'm not going home. What are you going to do to fix it? (laughs) (laughs) Basically, I was like, we have to do something. (laughs) So we just started this thing and we thought we had heard of a blogger. Shout out to Johnny Ward of One Step Forward. We had had read one of his blog posts and he said in it that he was making, I don't know, 2,500 bucks a month or something like that. And we had read that post from an internet cafe in India and Darice read it first. And she says, Nick, come here, come here, come here check this out, this blogger, this travel blogger is just like writing about his travels, taking photos, and he's making money from it. And at that time, I mean, we were traveling in India on $30 a day. So if you do the math on that, that's a lot of money we could save or we could travel longer on $2,500 a month that he said. Yeah, so we thought it was like amazing. So a couple months later, we found the time to start the blog. Uh, but at first, of course, we didn't know how to do any of this stuff. (laughs) There's not, there wasn't that much information online that we have these days. So we were just kind of plugging at it and just writing blog posts that were kind of our diary. Yeah, they were basically yeah. a diary. Like we used to have a free blog, you know, those free online ones. It was yeah. called like Blogspot travel- or whatever. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were like writing for our families. So we just basically wrote for our families. But on this website we created. Yeah, we like copied and pasted. It was like, <laughs> you know, not what you do really. But that's what we did back then. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's when it started was 2012. But then, like Nick said, we just basically created it and wrote a diary. Yeah. And then it, it took about a year to start making a little bit of money and probably mm-hmm. a year and a half in is when we were like, okay, maybe we can turn this into a business. We can, yeah, you know, start working on this a little harder and take it a little bit more seriously. Yeah. So we've been a business couple properly working, I would say since what, like when did it start? So maybe like mid- 15, 14, yeah. 2014 probably. Yeah, so what probably. is that like five years? Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I guess you never yeah. know exactly what you're getting into, of course, when you start a business, mm-hmm. as you guys know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it sounds like such a fun way to kind of get started. Like, hey, we're writing for our family. And like, yeah, you got that momentum, but in, in almost like a very organic way. I mean, I remember there was not much information out there at all. Have you guys always enjoyed writing? Is that something you like to do? Or is that something you grew into as a necessary component of what you do? I think I kind of grew into it. Like I used to diary and stuff when I was younger. Um, and then I knew a lot about like typing because I worked in a law firm and stuff, but I wasn't a writer, writer by any means. But like Nick did quite a bit of writing. He's Nick's the creative one. Hey, he's like the artist. He, <laughs> he does all this stuff. You're musically inclined and whatever. So I think you were a good writer, creative writer. I, I liked creative writing when yeah. I was in like high school. Yeah, I liked writing, but I don't think a lot of those skills, like some of the skills um, like translate into blogging. But in creative writing, you're writing kind of like a novel type mm-hmm. story. So it's good if you're a blogger to like to have an understanding of the language you're writing in and to, yeah. you know, be able to articulate your stories and your your words. But when you get into blogging, you're also doing something different, which is you're really trying to help the reader as much as possible. And by doing that, you're often cutting out all that flowery language that a creative writer would be proud to put on a page. Or, True. So it's you're kind of just talking to them like they're, you know person and not doing the flowers. Yeah, stuff. I'm just yeah. trying to help them get from point mm-hmm. A to point B in one way, shape or form. So um, yeah, but to answer your question in a really <laughs> long way, yeah, I was already into it a bit. I liked writing and I liked photography, but I wasn't very good. And Doris 
and he's still a good writer, but just never was into it as much. Yeah, as yeah. But then I definitely love it now. So I guess it's one of those things that, like, that's the other aspect too. Is you start to learn different skills through blogging that you didn't know you had, maybe, or you actually learn them. Like you have to learn how to do certain things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A uh, total side note question, Nick. Do you play mm-hmm. any musical instruments? You, yeah. When Doris said I was musically inclined, I was, in, I was surprised. <laughs> I play. I can play very basic piano. I think I know. I and used to know guitar. And Nick used to be a rapper. I'm just throwing that oh, out there. Oh no! No way! No. Just throwing no. that out there. All right. Well, it's been nice doing this podcast with you, Jason. I'll talk to you later, buddy. Hey, man. <laughs> I don't don't even go there because guess who else used to be a rapper? What, what you? The host of this podcast, baby. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, oh. I was in a rap band in high school. So no good. way. Give us a beat, Jason. We'll so, just rock uh, the rest of this podcast to melody. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, maybe we'll have to drop. Hey, dude, maybe we got to drop a drop a single out there. You know, oh, we could do maybe. something on Nomad Life or something, right? Yeah, something that no one will hear. Maybe I'll, I hung yeah, up my mic a long time ago. <laughs> hey, we could put it on what the podcast. Maybe a few people will hear it. Maybe you know. <laughs> yeah. What was your MC name? That's what I want to know. Ooh. Image. Image. Nice, nice. <laughs> no yours? MC in front, just image. No, no, just image. Okay, that's cool. That's dope. Yeah, that's dope. What's yours? That's dope. What's yours? <laughs> we have to know. <laughs> Mine was well. I had I had a few iterations. I think in ninth grade I, I got into this whole idea where i started writing raps and then i was was i what was i then i think it was like tiktok or was that somebody else i don't know i was chase i was mc chase at one point and then i became the jester oh the, oh you dropped the mc yeah well i just went to the jester oh yeah all right yeah <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't do the mc thing yeah, I just yeah that, right that was older. Jokes. That was like early 90s. I think there was all MC and then it just became rap names. Yeah. Yeah, just total. Yeah. I mean, was, was, <laughs> wow, hey. we're really learning a lot about each other here. Yeah. This is yeah. great. But you know what? That's That stuff's so fun. I look back on that stuff. It's so, <laughs> so fun. Good. Like just to be able to... I still see value in that now, even in what I'm doing now. Just, I mean, I'm still, I still love audio, you know? And just knowing, hey, you could create something and make it and it's cool. And like having done that before. And I mean, we're all creative, I think, in different ways. So, I mean, one of the aspects that I love about this work is the creativity. I mean, it sounds like the creativity is is a part of it that you guys really enjoy as well. I mean, how do you balance the the joys of that part of the work with sort of the nitty gritty stuff that you don't like so much? And what what are those aspects of travel blogging that you kind of don't love let's think well at first we just had to do it all ourselves yeah. so if it was nitty-gritty and we didn't like it we'd still Too have to bad. We'd still have to do it just kind of yeah just do it yeah but i think now like there's some sort of uh basic tasks and stuff that we hire out to get people to do and then we can focus on doing like we're doing videos now quite a bit more things that we can actually be in ourselves like put our face more on the website um and like what the other things like writing SEO content, there's certain posts I love to write about. Um, yeah, if we haven't, if, if if we haven't, if we're not experts on a topic, we don't want to write it, right? So we'll get somebody to write it. Yeah. And then we one thing that's kind of tedious is going back over other people's work. Um, mm. Like even if we have an editor who goes over their stuff, then we go over it afterwards. It can be tedious to make sure like yeah. the keywords are in the right place and everything's set up yeah. properly the way we like it. So that can be slow going. Yeah. And then I start to get bored and I go into the kitchen and I'm like, I'm mm, kind of hungry or like we'll go for a swim. <laughs> so, yeah. But you do have to, you know, sometimes make yourself do the things that you don't want so that you can, 
get those out of the way and then move on to something else that you enjoy doing on the, on the, um, with the business. Sorry. Yeah. My, what my, I don't know what your favorite, I'll ask you after actually, cause I'm interested, but my favorite part of the blogging that we're doing now is kind of the marketing, like speaking to people and, mm -hmm. um, not just trying to get them to buy something, but literally like email marketing to me is like forming relationships with different people. And you know, when you're writing a blog post or a, a page on your site, mm -hmm. even if it's a sales page, you're kind of forming that relationship. I love that part. And I love the actual design of those kind of pages. See the creativeness. Coming so in. that's, I love that stuff. I love communicating with people and yeah. the design. What's yeah, your, what's your favorite? Cool. Uh, uh, this chatting with yeah. you guys, getting to chatting, know yeah. other people that are into travel, into sort of, not having the traditional thing and and just open-minded and I, I think travel blogging or whatever you want to call it, the travel industry and like this, the part of it that we're in I guess just attracts a certain kind of person that I really enjoy being around and having conversations with <laughs> really is what it comes down to it so when it comes to that aspect of the work now one thing I, I don't do it in the way that you guys do it I don't go somewhere and then try to cover it as a destination or anything like that. And that's because I, I actually don't like to do that because I'm just not so detail oriented that way where I want to track like everything I spent and talk about all the places I've been. And I'm, and I'm not saying that you guys do that or, or not. Like, I mean, everybody does their destination coverage different, but uh, it's just like a personal thing for me. I just don't love it. But then when I went to Nepal and I went trekking and I did an audio, I captured a lot of audio on the trek and shared it that way. I loved that. I just got way into it. I just did it for fun because, yeah, because it was like I could just have conversations with people. So I just tend to gravitate towards the conversational stuff because writing's hard for me. <laughs> I'm not talented yeah. like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you found it because you are so good on this podcast and then also with Paradise Pack as well. That was perfect. Yeah, that the video we did with you, what was it, the live stream yeah, event that yeah. we did? That's part of the reason we're doing more video on our site now and trying to mm -hmm. be like, you know, have us communicating with people that way because you guys did such a wicked job. Yeah. Of it. Cool. It's fun. Well, I mean, vice versa, I'm inspired by the writing that you guys do on uh, on your site, goatsontheroad.com. And I actually really want to focus more on kind of creating some stuff and writing. So it's it's cool. So you guys have inspired uh, inspired me in that way. So thank you for that. All right. So just to get, kind of get back here to the timeline because I'm still curious because we left right. out a chunk of years here from when you started the blog. And I know we started getting into the blogging thing and I want to pick up on a few things. I want to get some more blogging, travel blogging type tips on that online business and, and kind of earning money while you go. And I know you have a lot to say on that. And I think some of that's going to come into play here when we talk about this section of your lives coming from like 08 slash 09 or, or whatever to, to when you started the blog, what were you guys doing to stay on the road and, and earn money then? Okay. So we went back to Canada for that year that we had, we ran out of money after that first trip and we spent 2009, um, sorry, 2010 we spent in Canada and then we left February, 2011 and we haven't lived in Canada since that date. And what we did was we saved a bunch of money during that year that we were in Canada for, with the idea that we were not going to go back. We were going to travel for a long time and then figure out ways to make money during that time that we were traveling. Mm -hmm. So we ended up doing 16 months of backpacking and it was like Africa, Asia, Middle East, Europe, sort of all over. And then the money started to dwindle and we hadn't quite figured out yeah. <laughs> how to make money yet. Procrastination. Procrastination, <laughs> we're having too much fun. 
Um, so then I had sort of like a meltdown on the beach and I'm like, I'm not going back to Canada. I can't do it again. And Nick, what are we going to do? <laughs> One of those stories. And, um, we had heard a lot about teaching English in China. Hey, like from other backpackers mm -hmm. on that trip. And so we thought, let's go to China and see if we can find a job. So that's what we did basically from that place that we were in in Thailand that was on the beach of Koh Phangan, right? I think so, yeah. And then, so Doris had her meltdown and then we, uh, shortly after that, we flew to uh, Beijing and we started traveling around China and we ended up spending a month there. But the whole time we were there for the first seven or eight days, we handed out resumes and, um, not handed out resumes, but like we saw ads on walls in bathrooms at hostels and in, you know, cafes and, bathrooms. you know, whatever it was like, we, teachers, teachers needed as happens in China, like English teachers needed, English teachers needed. Yeah. So we started emailing our resumes out to those ads. And, um, after about a week or 10 days of doing that, we started getting calls back and luckily we landed a job with a really good school in China mm -hmm. and we were able to basically start teaching and start making money while yeah, we were living there. I couldn't believe it. It was like, we actually had really good response within that first week. Um, and then we ended up living in Yongzhou, China, which was about two hours from Shanghai, right? Yeah, two or three hours, yeah. Yeah, so we lived there for a year teaching students. Um, and my kids, they were kindergarten mostly. And then Nick had kind of like junior high, hey? Yeah, and we had no prior experience, really. We, we did volunteering in Myanmar. We had met some Taiwanese people that were traveling there as well. And they'd come back every year and they were teaching kids in this little tiny village mm -hmm. in the north of Myanmar. And we happened to meet them at like a restaurant and they yeah. said, hey, come with us and volunteer. So we spent a week volunteering, teaching English in a like a in a field in a village. Yeah. And that was the only experience we had. And but it, they didn't really need it at that time in China. You know, they they paid for our TEF, you need TEFL certification in order to get the visa. So when we got there, they paid for our training for TEFL. Mm -hmm. They gave us a bunch of training like in person. And then we were able to start teaching yeah. English. Yeah, that was amazing. And that lasted a year. So this meltdown was <laughs> pretty, pretty big. I mean, it sounds like it was a pretty major thing. Like it, it, you guys both remember yeah. it as sort of a, a turning point that sent you. Yeah, it was pivotal. Yeah. Yeah, you have to have those moments sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> to have big because changes. I was like, you know, are we just going to go back and do this all again, live in Canada for another year and try to save for another year? And who knows, you might end up getting, you know, quote, stuck there or something, or we might not go back out again. When you guys were going to China, and you kind of had this loose plan to teach English or whatever. Did you have any doubts like that that might not work out? Or were you getting confident at that point where, hey, we can keep this going. Like this is going to, we're going to make this happen no matter what. Like what was your mindset then? Yeah, basically it had to work. It had to work. We were a little worried because we don't have university degrees mm -hmm. and a lot of the schools in China. And actually now I believe the government enforces it more strictly, but they needed, they wanted university degrees, which yeah. we didn't have. And so we were worried about that, but we thought, you know what, like go there we handled our resumes. We'll do the training. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll try to get these a job. And the university degree doesn't have to be in English or in teaching. So it's really irrelevant yeah. to the, like the quality of teacher that you can hire. So we felt like we could be good teachers. We already did that volunteering. And yeah. so um, that was the only kind of hurdle that we were worried about, but we knew we had to make it work. Yeah. And it's just kind of every step that we had done or everything since saving money, we just sort of had these goals and we just, you know, what's meant to be will be kind of attitude. And we just went for it. I think it's a really empowering story because I mean, I know there are 
been travelers in that situation where you kind of you you want to keep going, but you have the pullback of maybe what society dictates you're going to do or or you know, thinks you should do or parents or friends or the pressures come from different places and people with with each individual but there is something to just kind of saying hey we have to make this work and going until you make it work right and it's just nice when you hear that it like in that case that was you guys and it did it did work so it's just empowering i, I think to i just wanted to highlight a bit of that because i think that's encouraging for somebody listening that might want to keep their travels going and hey don't give up. There's a lot of ways to do it. I mean, you guys have lived this sort of Swiss army knife of uh, making travel a lifestyle because you've done the working overseas thing. You've gone back to save up money to travel. You've done that thing. You've now have your own businesses. I mean, what are some of the other things? House sitting. I think you guys have done a bunch of house sitting, right? I mean, what are some of the other things you've done to save money and sustain a uh, long-term travel lifestyle? Um, we did a little bit more volunteering besides that. We did bartending, but just so that we could have like a drinks, a drinks basically. <laughs> um, I think you just nailed the main things though. Like it was um, like before we had our web, when we started our blog as well, what we did was some freelance writing. So I oh, guess yeah. that's kind of a different part of the Swiss Army knife. But mostly it was teaching English, house sitting, um, the whole saving money for travel, and then the blogging aspect. Yeah. Those are the four main for sure. I guess when it comes to sustaining long-term travel, how, how have things changed from when you guys started to how it is now? I mean, back in, I mean, I don't even remember when Airbnb started. You know, a lot of things have changed in travel. So I'm just wondering how, it, how you guys have evolved with some of the things that have changed in travel, like your travel style. Yeah, it's made it a lot easier, all the yeah, things yeah. that have come up, that's for sure. Like even when we were first started traveling, there wasn't even TripAdvisor, was there? Well, I think there was, but we it wasn't popular. Like you like. didn't know about it, you didn't hear about it. There was no smartphones actually. Right. So we you know, we Yay, had yeah. no smartphones. <laughs> I know, like yeah. you know, you're Good at internet days. cafes no. and all that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but now it's changed for us in the sense that we can pick, I guess, where we want to stay temporarily when we're moving around a lot easier. Yeah, because you, you can find a place on Airbnb, like you said, that's got high ratings. You can see the photos. Yeah. It looks beautiful. It's not like you're just showing up on a bus like when you're backpacking in mm -hmm. you know 2008 and you show up and you look around for a, a hostel or a guest house. Yeah. And now, it, now they're so easy. You know, you can find a good reviewed place. So that part of it's better. One I mean, part that's not better is the smartphone thing for sure. Oh, yeah. Like It used to be in... We're going to sound all old and nostalgic, but it used to be in hostels, everyone would sit around talking to each other, playing games. Yeah. And it's sad now to see just 10 years later that people instead have their heads down rather than, you mm -hmm. know, up looking at each other, which is what it was all about. And that's a big part of the reason we stopped staying at hostels. Now we mm. do more Airbnb and stay in a nice apartment. We used to do them just for the vibe. Yeah. But now the vibe is changing a bit and it's a bit quieter. So, I mean, there's nothing wrong with hostels still. They're still fun, but... They just lost that communal vibe in a way in some places. Yeah. And I mean, you guys have been on the road long enough where obviously this is not, you're not just traveling. This is your life. You just live on yeah. the road. And yeah. you've been living on the road now for, I guess, a decade, right? Yeah, yeah decade, I guess. Decade? Yeah, but that's so true though, hey? Like, you're not going to stay in hostels forever. When you're no. living the lifestyle, when you're traveling, it's different. But yeah, like... For us, no, now we're apartments or sort of a boutique hotel or an eco lodge or something cool, like a unique space or this house that we're in right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where are you right now? 
We're in Grenada in the Caribbean. Okay, cool. Yeah, you're still. The, yeah. I think it's where you yeah. were the last time we we're spoke. Kind of, yeah, we're kind of basing here and then just traveling from here for a while. Well, I mean, tell me about the base. Is it? Did you buy a place? Are you renting it? Do you have like a lease? Is it a month to month thing? Like, how committed are you guys to this place? Yeah, it's kind of month to month, hey. Yeah, we're we we did buy a car, but yeah. we're just renting the place. We know what we knew the people that own it, and they they're never here, so we have it full time. Yep. And yeah, so we're just renting it. It's a really nice little place, though. It's like a house right on the sea with a dock, so I can go down on the dock and go fishing. Mm-hmm. It's got in a the pool. Afternoon. It must be nice great spot. to be in a spot that you love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah. you can kind of have some things that you couldn't have things before. Like we still aren't all about possessions because we, we got like lost that when we started traveling and realized, you know, there's more important things, but it is nice to have, like I now have some necklaces, you know, or I right, have right. Three, like I have more than one necklace. Yeah, it's... exactly. <laughs> so just a couple, you know, little things is nice to have. Well, on that note, because I, I was reading the post that you guys put up, I, mean, I don't know when you put it up, but it was all about, we talked about before, how you saved money for your first trip and some of the things you cut out and that you sold your, I think your condo in uh, Calgary, Dries, right? And I know it was a while ago, but now, and you've been traveling for so long, but I mean, one of the things that I think I took with me for the rest of my life from traveling for so long early on was the minimalism and that's impacted my life in a way that um i couldn't really have predicted what like i didn't really associate minimalism with travel i just thought i was traveling and you know but there were all these sort of ancillary benefits to traveling right how has other aspects of travel changed your life well minimalism was a huge one for sure with the travel aspect um how else the question was how else has travel impacted our lives yeah Oh, man. Um, yeah, well, in, in so many ways. I mean, we, when we were in Canada, we had a house and we had a car that we, you know, we owned a house. And it was, work had such a big part of our life and we didn't get to meet a lot of new people or learn a bunch of anything about new mm-hmm. culture. So travel kind of shifted our mindset to the, in the way that um, the most important thing to us is kind of, meeting meeting people and learning about different ways of life around the world and like experiences and experiences are so much more important than a house or a couch mm-hmm. or the, the tv i think also like you know you hear all these things on the news and the media about various places around the world and you're almost like terrified to go and visit them um but then once you're there because we've been to quite a few of these places you start to realize that they're not that dangerous and people are just people all around the world and they just want you know, to have community and to be healthy and have their families. And um, yeah, I think we've been shown that actually quite a bit. Yeah, because we would have believed the news when we lived in Canada. Like mm-hmm. most Canadians or many Canadians, we would have been watching the news and be like, oh, it must be so dangerous in Iran and mm-hmm. all this. When in reality... The most you know, hospitable, friendly, welcoming. Yeah, and it's one like, of the safest places because there's very little petty crime, no gun crime. You yeah. know, yes, there's been a couple of incidences, but they're so far and few between. Mm-hmm. But the media makes it seem like it happens every day. So. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's just basically travel is life-altering, life-changing. Sounds yeah. cliche, but it completely is. Absolutely. Um, what, is the, what is the visa situation where you guys are right now? Um, so for Canadians, we get 90 days. Okay. And then we have to extend or go and come back. That's for a tourist visa. So you can yeah. extend up to a year. Like, you extend for three months. 
until you've been here for a year and then you're supposed to leave and come back but you can leave for like an hour on a flight and then come back and you're good yeah that's the other thing too i guess about choosing places to stay hey when it's like temporary or whatever is you have to watch the visa situation does it feel temporary for you guys now or does it feel like this could be Mm. home for a little like for like well yeah like definitely for a while and i'm happy to travel from here and there's also still a ton of stuff that we haven't seen on the island Mm-hmm. And now we have friends here and it's, it's been nice to have a community for sure. Um, but we don't, we never say forever. Like we've never said forever, have we? Except for, you know, we're going to be together forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's, you know, it's, you never know what can happen. Yeah, exactly. What do you guys do to get plugged into um, either a community and like the situation you are in now or just to connect with locals in a place? Do you have any um, things that, you kind of do that have been great for you? Well, actually one thing we do here, that's how we met a lot of our good Grenadian friends is um, hashing they have here. It's, they have it all around the world. I think it started in Malaysia, like in the seventies or something, or even before then, but it's basically a walk or a hike or a run and they plot out a path for you and you just go on this walk. So here in Grenada, it's really popular and there's probably like a hundred people every Mm -hmm. week going and a lot of them are locals. Hashing. Hash, like Hash House Harriers is the full, full name. And like they're all around the world. Like I've seen it in Mexico and Asia and yeah. probably in the States and Canada. Yeah. So it's a good way to meet locals because they're out to like have a good time, get some exercise. And the funny thing is, I don't know if it's like this in every country, but here in Grenada, <laughs> their motto is uh, drinkers with a running problem. So, <laughs> so there's always beer at the end. Like it starts and ends at a little bar. They're yeah. Called, they call them rum shacks here. Just like a little nothing bar and then you have some beers and hang out and meet people so it's a good way to meet people i also check um like on facebook you can see what different events are going on you know like in the city or the place that you're visiting so you just like type in the search bar like changu bali and expats or changu bali festival events or, and stuff like that and then you just go and see whoever shows up and maybe you can meet people that way yeah that's cool that's, that's great i'm gonna have to check that out i wonder if they do anything here in norway i'll have to to see i think they probably do they probably do they have it all over the states too and yeah other places in europe yeah yeah it's cool all right going back to your work now and the blog i wanted to hear a little bit more about how that evolved i mean you said you started telling stories to your family you were copying pasting into the blog i mean at some point it morphed into what it is today which is a giant resource to to help people make travel a lifestyle but of course that doesn't happen overnight and what are some of the, I guess, tips or strategies or just general advice you would give to somebody who is considering, hey, maybe I'll document my travel and sh- travels and share it. And maybe I could travel and also write about travel and earn money from travel. And that could be my dream. And you guys have my dream job. How do I do that? What kind of advice do you give those mm-hmm. people? I think the, the main thing was when we kind of switched our mindset from just writing those diaries, like we said, to, I mean, the blog still has our personalities, so it has some diary yeah. format, but mostly now it, it's switched over time to how can we help people um, solve a problem? And I think that the most successful blogs and websites online have a lot of pages and posts on them that actually help people answer a question or resolve a problem that they have in their life or in their travels. So a problem can be, how do I get from Mexico to Guatemala by bus. That's one answer. It's one question yeah. you can answer, or it can be, how do I quit my job and travel like ours is, or how can I travel more eco-friendly 
or if you're not if you're not even writing a travel blog it can be something you know how do i lose weight whatever anything that can be but it's kind mm-hmm. of this idea that you, you it's good to have your own personality on there but also to be focusing on how to help people as much as possible and then when you start doing that you see that like people search questions in Google, right? So if you're answering those questions, you're going to get more traffic from Google. Mm-hmm. And that was the shift for us. We just kind of realized, hey, like if we write a big long guide on how to travel Thailand on a budget, we're going to get more people to the site. That's our most popular post. It's long and mm-hmm. it answered a lot of questions. So we started doing that more often. Yeah, you mm-hmm. definitely have to have the reader in mind for sure. I mean, what are some of the other trends that you've noticed lately? Because it's changed a lot. What's kind of changed? Where do you see the future of travel blogging going um well since we started a big thing is actually um destination marketing like the whole thing where you're invited by tourism boards um of various destinations to promote like the city the country the province whatever it is um you see a lot of that brands and companies utilizing bloggers now to do some marketing that's huge yeah yeah that's that's getting bigger and bigger i think as well these these like Different countries, different cities are starting to have more budget mm-hmm. because they're starting to realize that if they hire the right bloggers, if they vet them properly um, and they bring them to the, their destination, they can get a lot of exposure. We were just talking to one provincial tourism board in Canada who said they're making a lot of money per dollar, like $20 per dollar spent on marketing. And a lot of their with mar- bloggers. With bloggers, yeah. A lot of their marketing effort was with bloggers and they were seeing a huge ROI. So I think more and more of these tourism boards that are doing proper vetting are finding that, hey, like this is a good place to put our marketing budget and therefore travel bloggers have more opportunity in that space. Yeah. Do you ever um, get burnt out on it? Like, do you ever feel like, oh, this is, I'm tired. I kind of miss the old days where we could just travel and hang out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, like that's actually such a good good question. question. Okay. So that's kind of what our Ecuador and Peru trip was that we just did because we were like, you know, we do a lot of travel and work at the same time, like simultaneously doing both. So you have to stay places longer so that you have the time to work and see the place. And then you're like, you're the guy that's in the cafe on his computer, on her computer. You're not like just enjoying it, you know? So we both wanted to kick it old school and just go traveling. So that's what we just did the past two and a half months. And it was great. Yeah. And we, we haven't really, we haven't got fully burnt out because we were pretty careful not to spend more than three or four hours a day. a day, five days a week on the computer. Like we peel ourselves away to make sure we're not spending too much time on the yeah. computer and still enjoying travel or life, or whatever it is. But we do get to that point, like Doris said, where we felt like we needed kind of a holiday where we just went back to traveling. Yeah. I don't want to be working and travel. I just want to travel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not always working. Yeah. Travel. Yeah. I mean, was it hard to get out of the the mindset of, oh, hey, we should be writing this down. Like this is a place we should be, you know, because you can kind of get into that when travel is your work. It's it's a mm-hmm. habit, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. We we somehow quite easily didn't. <laughs> <laughs> didn't work. Oh, that's great. Did you even bring your computers? Or did you just leave them completely yeah. behind? <laughs> no, we did bring them, but um, we did answer emails like once a week and Doris did social sharing. Like, yeah, but we left like the drone here at home and our camera here. We just brought like iPhones for photos. Yeah, and that was it. Yeah. Yeah, That's and good. I think the hardest part actually was not not working. It was coming back to work life, you yeah. know, where we have to be on the computer. And we it was hard to get back in that groove because when we left, we were like in this groove. We just released our SEO course yeah. and we were like working every day, like really had projects going. And then we had scheduled and readied ourselves for this trip. 
So when we left, we didn't have to do anything. Yeah. But that meant when we come back, we didn't have any projects ongoing. And we were kind of like, hmm, what do we do? We have to, like, it was this lull. Get back into work. Yeah. It took a while. But good for you guys. I mean, it must feel super fresh to just have yeah, a trip like that. Nice. I mean, how long had it been since you had just a pure travel experience like that? Oh, I don't know. Since 2016, Colombia? Um, yeah, but we did video. So we did a trip to Colombia in 2016, was it? Yeah. And we did a month in Colombia where we didn't work on the computer so much but at that point we were still doing video for our True. YouTube channel so I think it was um I don't know I, I don't even know since we started like yeah because we were always kind of working and traveling simultaneously right so yeah yeah it was nice to have this as an actual trip too too long <laughs> would you say too long let's go with too long <laughs> yeah, yeah. Too long. Yeah. yeah no that's but great I, mean, I also like I don't mind working and traveling as well that's the other thing it's 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 a luxury. It's a luxury to have, exactly. Sure. So I mean, yeah, we were just we was nice, but yeah, when you come at it from the perspective of gratitude, it's like, oh, this is mm-hmm. amazing. But I'm sure sometimes yeah. it's also it's like any job, and it can be a struggle. I'm sure sometimes. How do you manage the the line between like staying in the moment enough to understand the moment and be present with it, but then also knowing that you're going to be maybe writing about this later or somehow incorporating it in your work, or maybe you have to do some video stuff. And it's like, Oh, when should I take, you know, should I take video now? I'm talking to this local. This would be a cool shot. Or should I just like stay in this conversation? Do you know what I'm saying? Oh There's man. Yeah. yeah. We know that, that all happen. too well. <laughs> that was video for us. That is video for us. The way we did our YouTube channel before was one video every week while we were traveling, like you said, interviewing, like, you know, having locals on, trying to stop the situation so we can get the perfect shot. Yeah. Like if we were doing a cooking class, it's like, don't break that egg yet. Let us get this video of it. And that we really started to realize was taking away mm-hmm. from our travels. And also at the same time, our blog was shifting towards um, helping people find different jobs. So in, we were already re- like researching and interviewing people who are doing different travel jobs to, to have blog posts about that on our site. So... We didn't have to document as much our like with the video of our travels. So and when we started to notice that it was really taking away from our Yeah. And how we created too, because if you start getting frustrated with having to record every moment and you feel like it's taking away from the experience, then that kind of shows itself on the video. It definitely comes across. It yeah. It comes across. So um, we basically at that point decided to sell our drone and sell our gimbal mm-hmm. and go much more basic with our video because it just got to the point that it was too much to handle to make it natural yeah and then now we have a drone but now we just use it for fun kind of like when you want to get like a cool shot or whatever but um in terms of documenting i would have a little notepad or i would just put some notes on my iphone um but really we're really focused on now making sure that we're actually enjoying travel because it's the whole point of this lifestyle enjoying the moment being present um and, and then yeah we can write about it later probably in better you know, with a better attitude if we write about it later. And actually you, yeah, you soaked it all up. So you actually probably could write about it better. Yeah. So that's kind of the whole thing with Ecuador and Peru. Like I am writing about it now and I didn't really even take notes, but yet I'm finding it easy to write about because I was present. Yeah. You're in the moment. Right. Did you get to that point because you had some kind of existential crisis around it? Like, did you guys have a conversation about it or did it just kind of organically get to that? Mm -hmm. Um, We just don't like really, there was a few points when we were traveling. One was literally a cooking class. We were like trying to film this cooking class and this with other people in it and we'd be like wait wait oh can you hold on i would just don't cut that yet i gotta get it he'd like you know nick crouches down to get the angle (laughs) 
I'm like, what are we doing? This is actually embarrassing because yeah. people are also trying to enjoy this cooking class. Yeah, I mean, we were working with the company in that case but for still. marketing, but still it felt like we were hindering not only our experience, but yeah. everybody else's around us. And we had so much camera equipment. And I remember a couple times when trying to get a shot and like the drone battery died mm -hmm. and then the gimbal battery dies simultaneously. And then, you know, something's wrong with the GoPro. It glitches out and we just get so frustrated sometimes. And oh, and like, then I know. couldn't spot the drone. So like Nick gets <laughs> yeah. all frustrated at me and it's just like, oh God. So we just gave it <laughs> the up. The couple's like, fights like, ensue. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is not worth it really. Like, right. For, for us, the writing part is easy and the photography to an extent is, is easy, but the video was really taking yeah. over. So And now we've changed our style a video for something that is more us more relaxed and is not as stressful there's not like the drone clips and then this and that and a weekly thing it's just chatting to the camera mostly and yeah. a few travel clips so it's it's different now and it's better that's great i mean it's great that you guys also are able to talk about those things or maybe argue about them oh, first yeah. and talk about them later or whatever but just <laughs> yeah. i don't know it's just it's something that i think is hugely important for your you as an individual with your work, and not you, I'm you guys specifically, but anybody that's doing this type of thing, it's it does change the travel experience, right? So just being aware of of that and understanding how to manage. I mean, I think this is one of the cool things about what you guys do and what you get to do when you run your own website or business is that you, if you don't like the way you're doing something, you can just change it, right? You're just yeah. like, all right, yeah. we're just going to do like more relaxed videos and this is going to be more us and who we are now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think for other people who are listening to it, it's important that that's why your blog should be something you're passionate about and it should be, you know, centered around things you're going to be interested in anyways. So you're mm -hmm. not forcing yourself into situations that you don't like and you're not going to have a good time in. So if you're blogging about, I don't know, dogs, dogs, <laughs> you're about I dogs. love dogs. If you're blogging about adventure and then you always have to be like jumping off of a building or something to make, yeah. it, to make your readers follow maybe then if that's not working for you anymore, you get a little older, you don't want to do bungee jumping everywhere you go, then you have to kind of let your blog evolve with you, like yeah. you're saying, and, and not be afraid to let your readers know that this is who I am and I'm part of this blog. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you've been asked it a million times, but where did the goats thing come from? <laughs> so that first trip that we did through um, Southeast Asia and India, there was goats like all over the road, everywhere. And there still are, like in Grenada here too, everywhere. Um, but we started calling each other Goaty as well. It's and like a, like a pet name kind of thing. And then we were like, well, there's goats on the road and we're on the road. And so right. goats on the road. Yeah. There you go. Still meeting. <laughs> Not a lot of thought. It's very deep. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though. It's so catchy, you know? <laughs> it's one of those things that like at least... It's memorable. Even if you don't know the name, you can just Google like goat travel or something, you know, and right. it will come up. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Well, um, yeah. thank you guys. And, thank you. And I know the power, uh, did the power come on yet? I don't know if that, uh, hopefully you're cooling so. down I don't now. Think so. or yeah, outside. we're all good. Our audio probably went got worse because now we're on like the <laughs> iPhone. Yeah, light. sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's all good. I really appreciate the time that you guys gave us today and course the website goatsontheroad.com and do you guys want to share anything else you got some courses there and different things if you just want to let people know where they can find you sure yeah sure yeah goatsontheroad.com is our site and it's all about like trev said to try to find different ways to make money on the road sorry jason said <laughs> paradise pack who are we talking to yeah, jason trev? Yeah. <laughs> um, how to make money on the road and different jobs you can do and we also because our favorite job that we found is travel blogging yeah. we also have our own 
course that we do for new people who are starting with WordPress. And we show them how to start a brand new blog and then how to start building it up and how to write posts that can, you know, get traffic like we were talking about today and how to build a personal brand. And the course is free when you start it up through our link. Mm -hmm. And then we also have more courses to help you grow and evolve, like our SEO course to help you um, learn how to get more traffic from Google. So that's that's our favorite things about the website right now. Yeah, and then of course we have all of our articles about different jobs you can do around the world. And we also have an ebook if anybody wants to come and grab that, 101 Travel Jobs You Can Do Abroad. Also free. Also free. <laughs> awesome, guys. Well, I mean, we both love helping people travel and I love talking to you yeah. guys today. And, and I'm glad and we finally got to chat with you. Yes, it was so fun. I, I hope we get to do it over a beer in person at some point. Uh, it sounds like should. I'm going to have to get down to the Caribbean though. I don't think uh -huh. you guys are going to be coming up. So. So. I'm getting the sense that you don't love colder weather. So. <laughs> I'm not a huge fan. <laughs> Norway. You're in Norway now? I'd yeah. love to go to Norway for sure. You're in Norway? Yeah, I'm in Norway. What? I would love to go to Norway. All right. Well, hey, mm -hmm. the destination boards are listening. <laughs> Send yeah. these guys in Norway. Get them up here. Ready to hang out. Uh, no, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate your time. And yeah, keep doing what you're doing. I'm following along. and love it. And um, yeah, look forward to staying in touch. Thanks so much, Jason. That's true. Thank you so much. All right, man. guys. Talk to you later. Right. See ya. There you have it, my chat with the goats. I want to thank Nick and Doris for stopping by this show. They couldn't be any cooler. I love those two. I cannot wait to meet up with them in person somewhere. I know it's going to happen. It's got to happen because I just really love talking to them. If you guys are listening to this, thank you again. I love talking to you guys. And you could probably hear that in my enthusiasm during our conversation. Had an absolute blast. And always love to hear a story, a real story around how somebody builds a life of travel or their life around travel. And like anything in life, there are always twists and turns. And inevitably, some things come to a head where you have to make big decisions. And these big moments, these big decisions can define what the next path is. We can oftentimes maybe put too much weight into those, too much pressure on them, but they will send you on some kind of new path. And... This is life, and a life of travel is no exception. Now, even if you're just traveling whenever you can and you're based somewhere like I am right now, that is my life. I still know I love to travel and I want to make it a part of my life. So I stay very aware of the fact that my highest value is personal freedom, and that means freedom to travel. That's a big part of that. And how I do that, I'll give you an example, is I live in a two-bedroom apartment with two kids, only about a 600-square-foot apartment here in Oslo, Norway, which is an expensive city. We could move into a bigger place. We could pay more in our mortgage and get in that loop. Maybe we will do that someday. I don't know. But right now, I know this is a place we can comfortably afford, and it's not going to restrict me from doing other things later on down the road. My wife and I, we've talked about a lot of different maybe trips and adventures and things we want to do. And we don't feel hamstrung by our mortgage and our lifestyle here. So that's one personal example of how I've had to change my life around to continue to adapt to make travel a lifestyle, even though, again, I'm based somewhere and I'm not traveling nomadically. But even being based somewhere there has to be some adaptability in order to be sure that you can still keep those values that are your highest values 
at the top of the list and staying aware of them, making sure you're living in a life, your life in a way to serve your own highest values. And it's not always easy. Trust me, some crying kids, small apartment. Hey, we want more space, man. I'm not going to lie to you, but that's not what we can afford right now comfortably. And we value our freedom more than we value getting into a situation where we have to just work all the time so we can afford a place. So um, these are the decisions that you have to make and they impact your daily life for sure. But when you want to turn travel into a lifestyle over the long term, there are a few key things you can do. There are many key things you can do, but I want to highlight three of them right now. Before I do that, I want to say a quick thank you to Tortuga Backpacks for supporting today's show. Yes, you can get 10% off anything you order with the promo code TRAVEL when you check out. And if you go to zerototravel.com slash Tortuga, you're going to find a page where I've curated my favorite backpacks from Tortuga. I love to travel with the Tortuga Outbreaker, and I am obsessed right now with the Tortuga Outbreaker Day Pack, and I've also been heavily using the Tortuga Setout Backpack. So uh, this is all going to sound like a foreign language until you go check their stuff out, but there is a backpack for you that I guarantee will be perfect for not only your next trip, but many trips to come and also many things that you have going on at home. I use these backpacks all the time at home. This isn't the type of thing that just sits in your closet when you're at home and then you only use it when you're on the road. That's what my hiking backpacks do, unless I'm going on a long hike or something. But these backpacks I use all the time. So they are an incredible investment and you can get 10% off with that promo code travel just for being a Zero to Travel podcast listener. ZeroToTravel.com slash Tortuga. You can't go wrong. You're going to love their stuff. And if you do decide to purchase anything, thank you because I'm an affiliate for them. You're also going to be supporting this show and I really appreciate you supporting the podcast. Thank you so much. Okay, let me get into these three things I just wanted to highlight when it comes to turning travel into a lifestyle over the long term. Uh, the first thing is what I just alluded to during that story I was telling you about our small apartment here in Oslo, and that's just staying aware of your highest values. For me, my highest value is personal freedom. I really value freedom in a way that I want to have freedom uh, with my time, whether that's spending time with my kids or being able to travel or see family when I want to or friends or whatever. I know personal freedom is my highest value. So when I look at decisions on things I might want to bring into my life, maybe some material possession. For example, a car. I don't have a car here. Now, I could look at it and say, well, car gives me personal freedom. It does. You can hop in your car. You can go wherever you want. But when I look at the financial aspect of the car, it takes away from my freedom because it's something that I need to constantly maintain. It's something that I have to invest my money in monthly with insurance and all that. I'm not saying I'm never going to have a car again or that it's a problem to have a car. It isn't. I love having a car. But right now, we live in a city. We have free public transportation because my wife works for the public transportation company here in Oslo. So there's really no reason to have a car for me right now. And I feel like that's the right decision to serve that value right now. Again, it doesn't mean I'm not going to change my mind, but that's an example of serving my highest value personal freedom in the moment right now where my life is right now and how I feel about that right now. So of course, I keep saying right now, right now, right now, because 
checking in with ourselves right now in the present moment and who we are and what we might want in the next few months or six months or a year or whatever. We don't know who we're going to be, of course, but we can check in with who we are right now and make decisions based on our highest values right now, based on who we are today and knowing that we're going to change, but that's okay. We can only base decisions on who we are today. And travel is going to change, of course, because we change as people. We grow. Our situations change. And that's totally cool. And that's why the second thing I want to highlight is the idea of being flexible and adaptable when it comes to turning travel into a lifestyle. Because let's face it, there might be situations, say you're wanting to be a nomadic traveler and you set yourself up to do a house sit where you're going to house sit somewhere for six months. It's going to launch your trip. You're going to live in France by the vineyards and take care of this farm and all this stuff. And then the week before it falls through. Well, are you going to cancel your trip and not start your travels? Or are you going to be flexible and adaptable and maybe find another solution? And these are things that can happen. Of course, if you're out on the road long enough and you want to keep the travels going, you're going to have to keep finding a way. You're going to have to be flexible and adaptable. And the less picky we are about the things that we do to keep us on the road, the more options we will have as individuals. I got to say, I mean, I'm older now. I'm a little more picky than I was, but I've been through this time in my life before and certainly have done different jobs and things that I wasn't necessarily in love with totally, but it could keep me on the road. It could keep me traveling. And that was good enough for me. That superseded the uh, the fact that the job had to be super interesting or something that I was really into because it, it kept me on the road. That was good enough for me. So being flexible and being adaptable. And the last thing I'll highlight here is a quick quote from Tony Robbins. Now, however you feel about him, it doesn't matter. I still love this quote. Resourcefulness is the ultimate resource resourcefulness is the ultimate resource. And of course, being resourceful, I've, I've shared this quote on the show before, is such a empowering thing, knowing that we are all resourceful individuals and that we can solve problems and get things done and make things happen. And that's comforting. That's a comforting thought to lean on when you're going into a situation where it might be a little unpredictable, a little uncomfortable, and just gently reminding yourself, hey, I'm a resourceful dude or dudette. I can make things happen. I can figure this out. And that's empowering and also comforting. So I wanted to share those three things with you. Just staying in touch with your highest value and who you are today, being flexible and adaptable, and resourcefulness being the ultimate resource that you are a resourceful individual. Those are three great things to keep in mind that I wanted to highlight around turning travel into a lifestyle for your whole life, which is one thing we love to talk about on this show. As you know, if you are new to this show, by the way, welcome. Welcome to the Zero to Travel Caravan, my friend. If you're not new, welcome back. I really appreciate each and every one of you spending time with me today, and I love to highlight stories from the community. I'm going to do that right now. I just got an email today from Kyle. I'll read you a little bit. He said... I started listening to Zero to Travel about two years ago to keep me motivated when I decided I wanted to quit my job one day and travel indefinitely. I listen mostly at work, which is a great way to conjure up an escape plan, LOL. 
He goes on to say, I dream of being a filmmaker focusing on the travel niche. I have decided to take the leap of setting a date and buying a plane ticket to finally go travel indefinitely and create travel films while experiencing the world. I've been planning on this for about two years, which has led me to working various jobs to save money and prep for travel. But as life happens, things keep getting in the way and I had to spend what savings I had and have accumulated debt. The years fly by so quick and my creative fire is so hot right now. I can't wait for another year to prep. So I'm just going to wing it and figure out the business along the way. What do you think? And uh, he just says, Jason, if you've made it this far, thank you so much. Sorry for taking up your time. I know you're busy. Thanks again. Hey, I'm never too busy for you guys. And uh, thanks for the email. What do I think? It sounds like you're ready to go, my man. I mean, I think if you just listened to the outro of this podcast and those three things I highlighted, I mean, you're hitting them all to a T, right? Putting in your highest value of travel, being flexible and adaptable and knowing that you're a resourceful individual. I cannot know what your exact situation is and what your debt exactly is and everything like that. You got to do what you think's right for you. Nobody can tell you what to do it, but judging by this email that you wrote... I feel through this email that you've already made your decision. And sometimes when that switch is flipped, it's really hard to go back the other way. And of course, you don't want to have any regrets in life. Who knows where this will take you? One thing's certain, you can't be a filmmaker focusing on the travel niche if you're not making travel films and honing your craft and doing that. Now, whether you have that on the road or you want to do it at home or whatever, that's totally up to you. I can't tell you what to do. I can only tell you what I think. And I think I shared that in my little soliloquy here in the outro of this podcast. So you can take those words and yeah, stew on them. Think about them. Let me know what you decide. I don't want to, I never want to tell anybody what to do. I believe everybody can of course decide that for themselves. And if you really dig deep down think you know what you need to do. We all know what we need to do. And sometimes that's easy. Sometimes that's tough. So it goes. So it goes, my friends. Okay. That's about it. It's a wrap. I want to thank you again for listening. And if you're not subscribed, please do so. If you haven't left a review, you know, I don't ask for them very often, but I sure do love reading them. Or you can reach out to me, Jason at zerototravel.com. And send me a note like Kyle did. Let me know what you're up to and where you're at in the world, in life, whatever. I am here for you, my friend, and I'd love to hear from you. So let's make this a two-way conversation. This is a community-powered show. I make this show for you, and I hope to hear from you one day. So thank you so much for your time, and I will see you next time, my friend. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by ZeroToTravel.com. Ideas and advice to make your travel dreams a reality.